for someone to make a, as a human, to make a statement like the kinds of things Jesus said, he didn't have to be a crazy guy, a lunatic. He'd have to lock the guy up, get me a padded cell and a straitjacket, and put the guy away. Because who says things like, I am the truth, I am the way, I am it? And so he said he'd have to be either be a lunatic imagining things, or he'd have to be a liar that he knows what he's doing, he's deceiving, or he'd have to be the Lord. He'd have to be, in, if he's going to show up and make those assertions, he'd have to be the Lord. So there is no in-between ground on this. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. everyone. I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 26 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Newsbomb Transportation. I want to thank all of our listeners for your continued support and positive feedback for this podcast. We really enjoy producing it, and it's always great to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear even more from you. We want to know what you want to hear about on this podcast. Do you have any burning questions or topics you'd like us to discuss? Do you have a story to share or a coworker to recognize? Tell us what you like and what you think could even be better. You're just as much a part of this podcast as any guest or host. So let us know what you want to hear. And you can email the show at terminalexchange at newsbomb.com. And you can also feel free to give me a call or stop by when you're through the terminal. We'd love to hear from you. In episode 15, we talked with Nathan Wirtz, the team leader for one of our two driver manager teams, about his team's efforts to decrease the total number of incoming calls from our drivers. And now, we're talking with the leader of the other team, Douglas Moore, to tell us more about the purpose behind this goal and how his team is working to be more effective in their communication with our drivers. Hey, Douglas, you guys, uh, your team has been working uh, alongside uh, Nate's uh, driver manager team as well, kind of going after some of the same things here to reduce incoming calls from drivers. I know there's some purpose behind that. You're not just trying to tell drivers not to call in. Um, but you want to just kind of talk through that a little bit, the idea of reducing those calls, what that means for you, uh, why that's important. Sure. Thank you. Um, that's one of the really important messages that we've tried to get out is that in no way do we want to have our drivers feeling like, no, we don't want you to call. That's not the point at all. And, and, I've heard that some of them are believing that, that that's the message we're giving. And I would just want to reiterate, no, not at all. If you need yeah. us, we're here for you, and we want to be here for you every step of the way. But what we're looking to do um, is to get our drivers better information, get them the information that they need, and get it to them in a more timely manner. So yeah. when they need that information, it's available to them without having to make the phone call to say, okay, dispatch, what's next? Mm -hmm. And we're hoping that by making some of these communication improvements that that we can do a better job of getting the driver the information that he needs as he needs it. Yeah. And one of the things I think I've seen, you know, talked about anyway is by also reducing those calls, frees up driver managers to field the important calls that, you know, do need 
one-on-one over the phone conversation. Of course. And every phone call is important. Absolutely. We, we don't want to take away from, from any of the phone calls, but we do get a lot of phone calls, you know, in the driver manager world, the phone never stops ringing. You know, there's always another one waiting just as soon as you hang up. So one of the challenges is to spend enough time with the driver to get him the complete information, yeah. get him a complete answer to his question instead of just saying, well, this is what I've got for you for now. I got to go. There's a call ringing. I'll call you back if I get anything else. Yeah. You know, we, we don't want to have to rush through the calls with our drivers, but yet we've got hold times that are getting up there higher than what we'd like because they're all waiting for information. Yeah. Nobody likes sitting on hold. No. And our fleet continues to grow and there's just more phone calls generated. So we're working hard to try to bring those numbers down through some of these efforts in our WIG. Yeah. So what are some of those efforts then that, uh, practically speaking, that your team is doing? Well, again, we're, we're looking to bring down the number of driver phone calls per driver manager. And in order to do that, the first thing we're doing is we're tracking it. Um, we run a spreadsheet each week that keeps track of how many times each driver calls into his driver manager. And to be honest, we're tracking who our high callers are. Mm-hmm. We know who you are out there. So <laughs> if you're going to keep calling in, just know that we're looking at you. Uh, but that being said, uh, we're, we're trying to discover who these drivers are that don't feel like they're getting all the information that they need. And then we're reaching out to each of them uh, early in the day, preferably. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to review their day with them, you know, review their week with them, just review some of the upcoming events for them so they can get through their day without the constant worry of what's next. Right. So we're making, you know, early phone calls to them. Uh, we're reaching out via uh, total mail messages. You may have gotten text messages from us that, you know, says, we know that you're you're empty soon. We're working on a load. Um, we're making efforts like that to try to eliminate that that mm-hmm. next phone call where the driver calls in and says, what's next? And, and with that, to also bringing up some awareness with drivers, the ability to use uh, text messaging mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to phone call. If it doesn't really need to be addressed right now, mm-hmm. you can send that. I'll get an email and can address it maybe in another handful of minutes, next hour or something yeah. like that. And just to give him confidence as he goes through his day that we are aware of what's going on with him. Right. We are watching his progress. We do know when he gets to his constantly and when he's making his deliveries. We we do know when he's empty. All those messages <coughs> come to us well. And we are working behind the scenes. Yeah. He may not see it. He may not feel it right away, especially when you're waiting on your next load assignment after you've been empty for mm-hmm. an hour. But understand that we are aware and we are working hard to get you your next load, and to get you that information as quickly as we can. Yeah, I think one of the most frustrating things that you're sitting on that end as a driver, you're the only driver at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You've got it, you don't know what all else is being going on in behind the scenes, and it can feel like it's just taking forever, that nothing's happening, right. but you do have a lot of cogs. So communicating that goes a long way. Yeah. I've said all along, the driver's world is a very small world. Yeah. His world is contained inside that eight by eight box that he lives in day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And all he's really aware of is the communication that comes to him yep. and what he needs to do next or what he wants to do next and trying to blend what he wants to do with what we need to do 
you know, that's our challenge is to do that in a way that makes everything work. Yeah. I think you've already started to touch on it, but what are some of the top things that you've noticed come through as far as the reasons drivers are calling in? Um, Our top reasons a lot of times seem to be to um, look for pre-assignments. That's probably the biggest one. You know, a guy's going down the road and he's just curious. He's thinking about today. He's thinking about tomorrow and he wonders, oh, what's next? So he'll call in and he'll say, hey, uh, operations, do I have a pre-assignment for tomorrow? You know, I should be empty about noon. And I have to explain to him at that point that uh, noon tomorrow is still half a world away for us. <laughs> you know, we've got today to get through and then tomorrow morning. Uh, we are aware of your timing and we will be working on yeah. something for you. Uh, we get a lot of calls about um, ETA to the customer. You know, we're very particular about on-time deliveries at sure. Newsbomb. It's one of the things that we're best at, we're most proud of. So we get a lot of communication between operations and the driver about what time am I going to deliver. Um, so there's a lot of conversations. We ask them to communicate with us if you're going to be early or late. So we get a lot of those phone calls. Um, we're hopeful that there are communication improvements that are coming soon that are going to uh, make that easier to communicate. Um, let's see. We're also getting a lot of calls about uh, timing on the loads. Yeah. You know, a driver sent a load. And he says, you know, it's got to pick up by 6. It's got to deliver by 8 o'clock the next morning. Um, with the new Link app, they can now see window times that they didn't have available before. Right. So already we've rolled out a lot of improvements that are making it better um, and easier and more complete to get the information to the driver. But we still continue to get a lot of phone calls, and we still believe that although we don't necessarily know what those improvements are, that there are improvements that can be made yet. Yeah. Well, and I think what's great too is with some of the developments that you've already done in tracking the phone calls, the reasons for, for these phone calls really gives you better line of sight to some different areas that you could maybe see some improvement and try to take care of some low hanging fruit on the front end and then uh, work to continue developing better ways to communicate uh, going down the road. Sure. Sure. One of our first improvements that we made in this latest wig round was the Um, development of a program that we call Connect Accelerator. Mm -hmm. And this is something that the driver is going to be mostly unaware of unless he's been in the office watching his work. Uh, It's just a simple matter where we now track the reason every driver calls. Surprisingly enough, when we started this WIG um, eight months ago, we were getting in 14,000 calls a month from our drivers, Mm -hmm. and we had no way to track why they were calling. We had no idea. I mean, we, we had a sense of why they were calling, sure. but we couldn't prove it. We couldn't, yeah, we couldn't document. We couldn't track. We could not dialogue and and predict anything, you know, because we were just looking at 14,000 calls. Yep. And we then developed this uh, Connect Accelerator program that was done uh, primarily through the driver manager fleet um, in conjunction with IT, right. who just does an excellent job. So now when a driver calls in, we've got a list of reasons. Um, I know operations uses about 20 different reasons that a driver calls in, and we select one of those reasons, and then we have an opportunity as well to put notes Mm -hmm. in regard to that reason to explain why the driver has called in. And that's leading us through um, research and discovery of, of different options that may come up going forward and different opportunities that we may have. And and it's helping us to identify what needs need to be 
uh, improved upon. Yeah. How do you feel about your team's uh, success so far? Um, it's been it's been rough, really. Um, it's been a little hard to gauge. Um, like I say, I monitor weekly the phone calls that come in and who they're coming in from. And quite honestly, when we started this wig, we had a number of drivers that were calling 40, 50, 60, even 70 times per week. Mm-hmm. And being on the phone for something close to three hours right. in a week's time, which we recognized early was really extensive. And we're confident that we have brought those numbers down. I don't see the high volumes of right. driver calls, and I don't see the long durations. What we are realizing, however, though, and I think we probably knew this, is that as we shorten these driver calls, the phone's going to continue to ring. We're still getting driver calls. So maybe there are drivers that were stuck on hold before and didn't get through. So our call numbers just aren't really coming down like we hoped they would. We thought we would see a more rapid decline in these call numbers because we hoped we were doing a better job of communicating. But the numbers don't seem to prove that out. I think the phone just continues to ring. But one of the chal- uh, one big challenge that you have been faced with is that we have also been going through this geotab transition. So we're talking a whole new interface that drivers are working yeah. with uh, and scheduling times with the shop to be in here to get that all switched out. And then just the whole new learning curve Correct. with the new system there. So I, there's been a couple of things that have taken place over the last handful of months that are new mm-hmm. in, in our system True. that have probably worked against you a little bit. So to give your team more credit, I think there's been some other things that have kind of counterbalanced some of the work that you've been doing. Sure. And that's generated a lot of phone calls, you know, from as simple as a driver that can't remember his password. You know, yeah. A lot of that has been going on. You know, they, they can't get the, the link app or the tablet to reboot and connect. There's been some connectivity issues. So yeah, we fielded a lot of questions on that, but one of the new challenges or one of the new categories that we've put into our Connect Accelerator is geotab and link questions. Yeah. So again, we're able to monitor those, we're able to record those, and we're able to see those, and hopefully that'll lead us to more communication improvements. Yeah. Well, um, Douglas, thank you so much for sharing with us what what your team is doing. I want to say congratulations to you guys for everything that you've done and and being instrumental in setting up the the call reason tracker and Connect Accelerator. I think that's been a great improvement that we've had and given us better line of sight there. And just watching your team and, and Nate's team as well, I know you guys are making a difference, even if that number isn't looking to move mm-hmm. like you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know you're making an effect, and uh, hopefully the drivers are experiencing just overall better communication, uh, more relevant information coming at them. So hopefully they recognize that we are working on this, and that's kind of the whole purpose of even telling them what we're doing right now exactly. is to let them know we are working here. And if they've got some feedback, we'd love to hear it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for those kind words. I really do appreciate it. We are looking to make a difference. We do care about our drivers deeply and our driver manager core. And and we want to make this job easier for them. We know it's a tough job. There's a number of us that have spent significant time behind the wheel of a truck. You included. Me included, yes. We understand what those challenges are out there on the road. And, And we... We know the difficulties that they're facing out there mm-hmm. each and every day, and we want to make their job easier. That's our goal. And we're hoping that through improvements in this wig and, and through improvements just going forward, sure. that we're able to do that. So 
thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to the driver and just let him know that we are there for you. We want to help you. If you can think of something that we need to do that we're not doing, feel free to have a conversation with me. Let me know. I'd I'd be happy to take it and see how it goes. Excellent. Douglas, thanks again for uh, taking care of the drivers and uh, tell your team thanks as well. And uh, appreciate having you here. Will do. Thank you very much. In our feature exchange, we welcome back our chaplain, Jim Ravel. Jim asked if he could uh, take a few episodes over the summer to share some of his personal thoughts and have some really candid conversation through the medium of this podcast. After talking with him, we happily welcomed him to share his heart with you. I will give you a heads up that through this series, Jim will be talking very candidly about his beliefs and Jesus Christ. We at Newsbaum are in agreement with Corporate Chaplains of America's policy that all conversation and interaction here, particularly on the topic of faith and personal beliefs, should be permission-based. So I want to convey to you that you are in no way obligated to continue listening to this episode. I will, however, encourage you to hear out Jim's intro. He makes some initial statements in the first two or three minutes uh, regarding his hopes to entertain an open and respectful dialogue. If you'd like to reach out to Jim directly, we have his contact information posted within the show notes of this episode on terminalexchange.org. Here is Jim Ravel with part one of Who is Jesus Christ? Well, hello, everyone. Uh, Jim Ravel here. Uh, I am the corporate chaplain at Nussbaum Transportation, and this is one of the companies I serve, and it has been my delightful pleasure to serve this company. I have had so many wonderful experiences and relationships and challenging moments and joyful moments, and I thoroughly enjoy being able to connect each week at the main terminal and also uh, the kinds of connections I've had with many of the distributed drivers uh, through the phone and then sometimes here at the, uh, at the driver's lounge when I'm here on Wednesdays. I want to revisit for you, so I'm do, I want to do a podcast, at least experiment with something over the next three months. This is my summer experiment, June July and August, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But before I get into that, I want to mention uh, the posture or the tone that we take as a chaplain uh, with corporate chaplains that we're confidential, we're permission-based, meaning the talk I'm going to have with you right now, is it's kind of a buyer's beware uh, warning that it's going to be a talk about my best friend, <laughs> and my best friend is Jesus Christ. So I want, to, I want to talk a little bit about him and who he is. And um, and I'm fully aware that among this company, there's a whole bevy, a whole wide range of postures of thought and heart, everyone from those who are very devout Christian followers of Christ to those who even maybe you struggle with faith, maybe you're a skeptic, maybe you say, I'm more of an agnostic, which means I don't know, or maybe you'd even come out to say, I'm an atheist, I don't even believe God exists. So everything in, on, on that kind of range. But I would challenge you to do this. I would love to entertain a dialogue. Um, and so I, as a chaplain, I'm available uh, either by phone or by uh, email. And I would like to entertain kind of a dialogue in this question. And I respect anyone's right to hold a particular belief. But I, I, I love it when you can defend what you believe and I, you know, and, and I also come with this posture, but it's always a, it's from the ground of mutual respect, and so um, so that's what we're going to be talking about. 
And so I'm asking for feedback. I'm asking for feedback on the podcast, uh, even itself. What went well? What is missing or confusing? Is there anything that could be added? Uh, you know, if you have questions, uh, let me know. So here's my topic for the next three months. The topic is, who is Jesus Christ? And, uh, of course, he was quite a stunning figure that entered onto, uh, you know, the plane of humanity, walked into uh, from what we believe as Christians, uh, and whether you have a view that he was God in the, that came as a human being, we do know he was an actual human that lived in the Middle East and lived in Israel. And, uh, but uh, there's some audacious claims that he made. And so I want to read to you a passage of Scripture, and it's actually out of a Bible section, um, and I'm going to read it to you from what is called the Message Translation. And it, it's, a, it's actually a portion of some of the oldest writings the New Testament believers a couple thousand years ago had, and I would call it like the Swiss Alps, kind of one of the three or four highest peaks of the assertion of who Jesus Christ is. So here's the verse. Here's what it says. And then we're going to unwrap this. Think of yourself the way Christ Jesus, so I'm reading now, think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but he did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside his privileges as God or as deity. In other words, in the idea, he never ceased to be God, but he set aside his rights as God, and he became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then he died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death, which is crucifixion. And then the passage goes on to talk about the fact that he rose from death, which is kind of the apex for why Christianity is true. So here's what I want to talk about. Um, it, there's three things that what I just read, and you might want to, if you want to rewind the tape and kind of hear what I was read there, three things that are talked about of who Jesus is. The first is he was God, is God. Secondly, he became a human. He became a man. And thirdly, what was the posture of him coming? He came as a human, and he came as a servant. And, um, and so we're going to be talking about this part today, this month, for the next couple of minutes, on the fact that he declared himself to be God. Now, some of you may have heard there's a, a very amazing author by the name of C.S. Lewis. And Lewis had some cool stuff to say. And he basically said, if you looked at the teaching of Jesus, and let me read you a quote. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. And what I mean is, people say, oh, I love Jesus' teaching. Well, have you looked at it? Because Lewis concluded that for someone to make, a, as a human, to make a statement like the kinds of things Jesus said, he'd have to be a crazy guy, a lunatic, You'd have to lock the guy up, get me a padded cell and a straitjacket and put the guy away. Because who says things like, I am the truth, I am the way, I am it? And so he said he'd have to be either be a lunatic imagining things, or he'd have to be a liar that he knows what he's doing, he's deceiving, or he'd have to be the Lord. He'd have to be, in, if he's going to show up and make those assertions, 
it'd have to be the Lord. So there is no in-between ground on this. And so if Jesus Christ, who believed, this scripture asserts that he was God. And so let's assume that he is God. He comes as a human. Think about that. The one who had no beginning, no end, all power, all knowledge, created all things, created everything. Now, let me give you a little point of reference on creation. Okay, he created everything. So God's going to show up on this planet. How big is the earth? You say it's huge. Really? It's huge? Did you know that the Milky Way galaxy is one of a hundred billion galaxies? Okay, so the galaxy, which is massive, the Hubble telescope had a hard time even getting to the end of stuff in our galaxy. And we're one of a hundred billion. So you say, I don't even know how to codify that number. Okay, so let me give you a little reference point. If our galaxy became a garden pea, so our galaxy was like, you know, peas and carrots, the Milky Way's one pea, and the other hundred billion were turned into garden peas, it would take two and a half arenas similar to the United Center in Chicago filled with garden peas and our galaxy, I'm not talking the earth, I'm not talking the planets, I'm talking our entire galaxy would be one of those peas. Now we, as a planet, are what someone called the third rock out from a mediocre star. (laughs) The sun is bright, but it's not that bright. There's stars that are far bright. Okay, so now, now what we're asserting is the one who made all of those garden peas that packed into those two and a half arenas decided to come into this galaxy and then decided to come to this earth and he identified with this earth. And so when a person makes this kind of assertion, either he's a crackpot or he actually is the one that he said that he is. Now, here's what I'm going to say. And I'd love to have a conversation with any of you about this, wherever your point of reference is. If you're a follower of Jesus, I love to be able to kind of talk faith and encourage each other because we're kind of, we have each other's back in this. But if you're, if you're a person who struggles with faith or you have skeptic, skepticism or doubt and that sort of thing, I still would be very interested in hearing perspectives because we're always, we can learn from each other some things. So, but what I am operating now is from this paradigm or this way of thinking that I believe that Jesus actually is who he said he was and that he did come, he is God, but he came as a human. And there's a number of reasons I can't talk on a podcast and give it enough time to be able to do this. But so let me tell you then, let me, then let me ask this question. If that's true, what does that mean for me? Okay, put the cookies on the shelf, on the bottom shelf, so I can use it in my life. What does that mean if, if God became a human? If God came to this earth, what does that mean for me? Let me tell you three things, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Number one, it gives me, so I'm just talking on my personal experience, massive amount of hope. Because if God came here, what in the world is he doing coming here? And I'll tell you what he came here to do. He's come, he came looking for me, and he came looking for you. Because he designed us in his image for a relationship with him. So if he says to me things like, come to me, if you're burdened and overwhelmed, now, if he's just a well-meaning person and kind of wants to give some platitudes and say, ah, you know, I, I hope things work out for you, that's great. But can you imagine someone with all resources, all wisdom, all power, 
pure love, right motive. He comes to us and he says, hey, come to me. Take my yoke on you. I want to teach you about who I am. What would that do for our lives? Well, let me give you a little picture. In the Bible, there's this guy by the name of Paul. And this guy, I I would not want that guy's life at all. He said he was beaten with rods five times. And then he runs down some kinds of things like being shipwrecked. And he he was stoned. And he, he went through this whole thing. Why would someone go through that kind of horrific treatment? Because what happened, he ran into Jesus Christ one time on a road and found out that, whoa, he is who he says he is. So Paul then writes, I'm not afraid of anything. At one time in, in Romans chapter 8, he had this like unsinkable buoyancy. He said, it's life. I'm not afraid of life or death or things present. Think about this. Here is your face. Things, I'm not afraid of things present. I'm not afraid of things to come. Think of how many times we rent space going forward. I'm not afraid of height or depth. I'm not afraid of suffering or hardship or persecution. What would cause this guy to have that kind of, what I call just this buoyancy that had such hope in it? I'll tell you what he said. If God is for us, who can be against us? So what what he's saying is, God showed up here and it changed everything for me. And he came looking for me, and God found Paul, and God found me, and God's looking for every person. That, and he demonstrated that through Jesus Christ. So there's hope. But it's also sobering. It's not just hope. <laughs> it's sobering news. Because, okay, if God shows up at your door, the only way to, to respond to him, I would say it like this, is extremely. <laughs> I mean, if, if Bill Gates showed up at your house with his checkbook in hand and wanted to pay your house off, I think you would probably give him a little bit of attention. You wouldn't say, you know, to your spouse, hey, where's the remote? What's for dinner? You know, you would respond because there's a certain kind of wealth that he brings with him. And maybe if he had a benevolent action to somehow bequeath something, that you would respond to that. So let me read you this very interesting quote. I love this. It's written by this British guy. And I wish I could say it in a British accent because whenever you you can read the uh, Major League Baseball disclaimer in British, and it sounds awesome, more awesome than it is because it's a British accent. So I can't do that, so I'm not going to fake it. But here's what he said, British guy. If you read the Bible, you will see that no person that ever met Jesus Christ ever had a moderate reaction to him. There's only three kinds of reactions to Jesus. Either they hated him and tried to kill him, or they're afraid of him and they tried to run from him, or they were absolutely smitten by him, and they gave their entire life to him. But no person ever had a matter reaction to Jesus. Now, the average person in America says, I like Jesus. You can't like Jesus. And what I mean by that is if you really read his teachings, there's stuff he says that irritates me. Stuff like, I have to deny myself and follow him. I mean, this is kind of an all-in kind of thing. And anybody that would say this, if he's not God, he is a megalomaniac. He's an, he's an absolutely, but if he is God, then every single thing of my life has to revolve around him. And he's come to offer things, hope and purpose, but he calls it on his terms. Because he doesn't, he's the chef in the kitchen that says, listen, get your paws out of the recipe because I have a recipe that works that you don't know. You stick your recipe in there, you're going to mess it up. And we all have examples in our life 
where we, you know, the recipe's gotten screwed up because of our own trying to run stuff. And so God comes, and it's, it's sobering news. It's hopeful, but it's sobering. But then the third thing is this, and I, I love this. This is kind of the dynamic, kind of the motivation for even why I would even share a podcast today or why I serve and minister to people. If Jesus is God, it gives us an entire, an entirely new dynamic for loving people and for serving. And so let me explain that, okay? Here, okay, I'm going to talk. I, I hope I don't get over your head theologically. So I, I, I want to keep it on an underst- kind of a clear understanding. But if Jesus is God, then we're, if, if he is God, then we're talking one God but more than one person. So we believe in the Father, Son, and Spirit. We believe in one God but multiple people. But if, multiple persons, I should say, the Father, Son, and Spirit. But if you believe in what it would be called one God, what, what they'd call a non-Trinitarian view or the idea that uh, God is God and that's it, there's, 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 not, uh, um, you know, there's not Father, Son, and Spirit, then, then here, you have a God who had to create something to love, okay? So, because you, you can't love just be, to be contained in yourself. So if God existed for all eternity, and he was only a unit, just one God, but not three persons. Here, you, he never had a relationship. So in order to love, he would have to create. But here's what we believe. If Jesus says he's God, you have the Father who Jesus had a relationship with. Now, he's claiming to be God. Jesus is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And so now we have a God in the Bible who's one God, but he celebrates in relationship with himself for eternity, from everlasting. And so now love and relationships inherent in him, and he has this relationship. And so now he creates, not to get love, but he creates to celebrate this amazing love that he's had for eternity. He's not creating to get his need met, but to pour himself out on us. And so here's, the, here's what happens. God's created us for a relationship, and it's out of a relationship that he's operated in for eternity, and he created man in his image so he could draw us to himself. Now, man declared independence, but God's come to rescue us. And, and so now I minister not to, even, even when you do good deeds, you can do it to be getting love or to getting, you can go into a marriage relationship, and you're trying to get that person to fill this gap in your heart that you're like, I don't know how to fix this. But if you understand that the God of the universe, who's loved for eternity, has now created us to pour his love on us, now I am not operating out of poverty. I'm operating out of this wealth of deep love. And Jesus said this, there's a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but he's come to give life and give it to the full. There's an abundance of relationship. And did you know that when you're living your life for the identity, if I only had a great marriage, then I'd be happy. If I only had perfect kids, then I'd be happy. Those things are all great. If I only had a great job, if my career, if you're banking all of your life on those things going well, that's taking a position that will never give you ultimate fulfillment. But if you realize that the creator of the universe who came here out of love for us wants to pour himself completely on you, that changes how I do relationship. Now I take out of the wealth that I've received from him, and I can bequeath that to someone else. So the question is, how do you know that you're reaching out and your motivation's off? 
Well, what happens if people respond badly? What if after you say your marriage vows, your spouse doesn't live up to the way you thought? Guess what? You will be deeply devastated. But if you're operating on the fact that, okay, they failed, but I am loved by the greatest one that could ever express love, that changes everything. What if they're not grateful? What if they don't act the way you want? And are you a person that is always getting your feelings hurt? Are you always feeling snubbed? Well, then it says something. Those things have such a, now I'm not, as a human being, we, you know, we have to process emotions. I get all of that. But if that's your ultimate go-to, you're going to be a person who's operating out of great disappointment in your life. But if you understand that God's come here to rescue us and to love us and to pour his goodness on us, it changes everything. So I think of one final story in the Bible uh, that I just wanted to mention. It's a story where Jesus went and he ended up going to a town called Samaria, and he's at noontime, it's hot, his disciples are traveling through town, and the disciples run into town to get food. Jesus is sitting at a well, and he is sitting there, and this woman comes out, and she's getting water. And so he asked her, she was from another race, she was a Samaritan, she was a woman, and he asked, he said, can you get me a drink? And, uh, and so, and, and so she asked, she was shocked. She said, you're a man and you're Jewish and you're asking me for a drink. And then he makes this statement to her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And she's like, well, you don't even got a bucket. How how, how are you going to get a drink? And so then he says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. It could be your marriage. It could be your job. It could be your career. It could be whatever you put in that place. You're going to thirst again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give will become a spring welling up to eternal life. So it's a vibrant relationship. So then he, she's like, I want this water. I'm in on this deal. He says, well, go get your husband. He's like, uh... Uh, he says, go get your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, I know, you had five, and you're living with a man right now. He did not say that condemningly. He was just making an observation. But he's saying to her, there's a thirst in your heart, and you've been trying to fix it with those relationships. But the only relationship that's going to satisfy you is the one of this God who became a human. So he'd give us hope. But it's sobering because we have to be all in. But in it, it changes the dynamic for our motivation. So that is my talk for the week, for the month. And I would love feedback. I would love insight. I would love to talk to you. And let me just say this. If you're hearing this and you're a driver or you're in the main office here, we don't even have to have a talk about this. We don't have to talk about anything that's even related to religion if you just need to connect and walk through something, again, remember, we're permission-based, so we're not shoving anything down your throat. I'm, a, I'm sharing my value system. I'll leave it out there. If you want to talk about it, great. If you don't, that's cool, too. But I would love feedback, and um, you will get the information regarding how you can connect with me, either through email and for, through phone, and, um, and I'd love to hear from you. So thank you, and have an awesome month and a great summer. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. 
NoosBomb is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on NoosBomb's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to NoosBomb.com or NoosBombJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.